Amen. Please open your pew Bibles to John chapter 11. <coughs> can be found on page 1668 in John chapter 11. I'm going to be reading from verse 1 to verse 53, the story of Lazarus. Here now the reading of God's word. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. 
Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a, Lazar- in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Then one of them, named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own. But as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. As far as the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to his people. In this passage, we see something very phenomenal and meaningful. The resurrection power of Christ, seen in this resurrection of Lazarus, is met with two opposing realities. And that is one of unfathomable faith and one of unbelievable unbelief. Christ's resurrection power is met with unfathomable faith and unbelievable unbelief. First, we need to understand what that resurrection power is. And we see that in the resurrection from the grave of Lazarus. That it is a resurrection power that overcomes the curse of Genesis 3. And second, we see that unfathomable faith in the sisters, Martha and Mary... The way they place their faith in Jesus Christ, the the way that they profess him to be the Messiah and to be one who can, if he wanted to, even raise their brother from the grave. And we see that unbelievable unbelief in the face of these religious leaders who upon hearing that Jesus is a man who has the power to raise dead men from the grave that we better kill him. 
So let's look first at that resurrection power that overcomes the curse. At the beginning of this chapter, we're told that Christ hears of Lazarus' sickness. And then we read these bizarre words. And I don't know if you've ever took a moment to read these and really think of what they mean. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, I don't know about you, but when you hear the words, love Martha, Mary, Lazarus, and so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, you typically think that the next thing you're going to hear is, he got up right away and went to see what he could do. Well, what's going on here? But if we read it in context, we see that Jesus says, Lazarus' sickness and death, when he hears of this, he says, this is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is going to die. This is for God's glory. This is so God's Son can be glorified through it. This is so that you may believe, Jesus says to his disciples. Lazarus is your dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. The death and resurrection of Lazarus is for the glory of God and for the faith of the disciples. But what is even more true is that the death and resurrection of Lazarus is meant only to point to the death and resurrection of Christ. It's only meant to point to the fact that Christ brings a resurrection power that overcomes the very curse of fallen humanity, the curse of Genesis 3, the curse of God that said, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, dying you shall die, is what the Hebrew says. Dying you shall die. You see, Lazarus' death and resurrection is only a picture because it's temporary. He dies for about three, four days. And he's resurrected from the grave. But he's going to die again. His body will continue to decay. And one day in the future... Lazarus would be put right back in that tomb and the stone will be rolled in front of it again. But it is meant to point to the eternal, inward and outward, spiritual and physical resurrection that Christ is bringing to his people and his life and his death and his being raised again. In verse 17, upon their arrival, we hear that Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. I mean, dead as dead can be. The spiritual condition of all men apart from God. Have you ever thought of that? In, in, in the Genesis 3, God says, If you eat from that tree, you shall surely die. And what happens? 
Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden and they live for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years more. What does that mean? It means that there was a spiritual death that occurred. And it is the spiritual death which is represented in our physical death. That our bodies die. Lazarus is the prime example of what comes of Genesis 3. The curse of having eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The promise from God that you would die. Stinking, rotting in that tomb. Lazarus' outward physical death embodies the spiritual death of being separated from God. Do you want to know what it looks like to be cursed and separated from God? It looks like Lazarus in the tomb, rotten, dead, smelling for days. That's what it looks like. This is something that we must not forget where we are right now. The death is not natural. Death is not natural, people of God. Death is a supernatural intrusion of sin. And here Lazarus is at the receiving end of it. And the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is coming in here to show that in Christ's death and resurrection, he's going to reverse the curse. Well, Lazarus is dead spiritually, physically. Lazarus is rotting in the tomb. Well, this is what you need to see. I have come to raise him again so that he may never die again. I have come to take the curse upon my own body that I might die the death that we all deserve for the curse so that you may live the life of an obedient one. Christ has come to bear the curse of Genesis 3 so that the blessings of the covenant can come to his people. This is why Jesus waited. This is why he said, it's good that I didn't go. This is why Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. This is why Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Christ is saying he is the substance. He's saying he is the true meaning, the true power, the true purpose of the future resurrection. And so he walks up to the tomb. He tells them to roll away that stone. And he prayed to his father for the benefit of the crowd. And he spoke with the power of creation itself. Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come forth. It's almost as if we are supposed to think of the words in Genesis 1 when we hear God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let there be light, and there was light. The words of Christ, the words of Christ are accompanied with the very resurrection power to revive, to recreate, to regenerate, so that when he says, Lazarus, come out, Lazarus is actually able to hear him and to come out. He walks out of the tomb. 
His grave clothes are taken off. The old rotten man is gotten rid of. And the new man comes forth to take off the garments of his past life so that he may be clothed in Christ for a new life. Have you ever read those words, the dead man came out? The dead man came out. So people of God, let me ask you, do you believe this? Do you believe that Christ is the resurrection power that overcomes the curse of sin and of death? Do you believe that Christ is the resurrection power that has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of light? That Christ in his death and resurrection has brought the resurrection power which pulled you out of the tomb of sin, of corruption, of death and condemnation and by his grace made you a son and daughter of his heavenly father. Is that simply some mental assent maybe that you give? Or is it something that's living? Let me put it this way. When cancer is riddling your body and destroying you physically, do you say to yourself, although outwardly I am wasting away, Christ is the resurrection. And I have life that is not limited to this sin-cursed and broken world. When you are in the midst of a time of defeat, do you say, although right now it looks like I'm losing, Christ is the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in him, though they die, will always live. For what is seen in the physical outward sign miracle of Lazarus' regeneration is seen in the evidence of the spiritual regeneration of Martha and Mary. For the rebirth from the grave that Lazarus experiences is the same, the very same thing that has occurred in the hearts and lives of those who believe in Jesus. And this is the resurrection power that we see in the sisters of Lazarus as they interact with Christ. This is why the faith they express, although as we read this seems so simple and seems so insignificant as it may seem, is actually unfathomable. That when we read the faith that Martha and Mary express in this passage, we should be saying, that's resurrection life. That's new life. So let's look at this unfathomable faith. Martha is the first to encounter Christ. She doesn't understand why he didn't come. She doesn't understand why he did not come when she called for him. For she knows that if Jesus would have been here, Lazarus would still be alive. But in her mind, there's a finality to death that cannot be reversed. At least in this moment. There's a power in death that cannot be overcome until maybe that last day. Because Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And she says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She sees the not yet of resurrection power, we could say, right? 
She sees that, yeah, there's a resurrection day to come. There it is, off in the future. Lazarus is dead now. I'm going to miss him. I'm going to lose him. But, but that's going to be far from here. But she has not come to understand that the already of resurrection power is standing right in front of her. That's why Jesus responds and says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you understand that when you believe in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life present tense? That's not simply a future reality. That is a now reality. It is an already. And of course, we know that the fullness of that, it's not to, yet to come. But we cannot see the only the not yet and forget the already that has come in Christ. The already and the not yet of resurrection power is found in our union with Christ by faith. We have eternal life now. Our faith is an expression of that reality. That we have been turned from our hatred of God. And those of us who were enemies have now been made new. Even though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed. Day by day, our hatred of God has been reversed. The curse has been reversed so that we could believe in Jesus. And one day the spiritual birth, regeneration that has occurred within us, resurrection... It will be matched by its completion and its fulfillment in the physical regeneration of our eternal resurrection bodies. The already and the not yet collide into one, never to be separated again. Martha knows of the future resurrection, the not yet, but she doesn't understand the life-giving spirit. Christ is to be in his death and resurrection already. It is the death and resurrection of Christ that secures for his people the death of sin in us and the resurrection of new life. This is the resurrection that's permanent and eternal. It's the resurrection that Lazarus' resurrection is pointing to. Then we see the faith of Mary express and her going out to him, falling at his feet. What is striking about Christ's interaction with Mary is not the way Mary reacts, but rather the great compassion Jesus shows. Have you ever thought of that? The great wonder of this passage here? The God-man, truly God, truly man, we're told in the face of Mary's pain and suffering and the loss of her Brother, he is deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He wept. Because he loved Martha, because he loved Mary, because he loved Lazarus. But I want us also to think that there may have been another reason he was deeply moved. He's struck by the pain and the hurt caused by sin and death. Remember, death, it's a supernatural intrusion of sin. It's a result of the curse. Christ mourns. The depth of this 
Christ, even in knowing that he goes to raise Lazarus from the grave in just a little while, is still moved by this moment. Because he knows that these sisters had to experience the pain of loss, of the death of their brother, of the result and the finality of the curse in order for Christ's true identity as the resurrection to be revealed. Lazarus had to die so that in the death and resurrection of their brother, Martha and Mary may express their unfathomable faith and see the deeper and true reality of the death and resurrection of Christ. For they believed in Christ, but they didn't know that he was the one that had to come and die for them. And be raised from the grave for them. The resurrection power of Christ is met with unfathomable faith precisely because it is a power that overcomes the curse. The curse has caused us to be turned inwardly. The curse has caused us to hate God and neighbor. The curse has corrupted us so that we no longer desire what is good, but what is contrary to God. We desire only what brings us glory and not God. We are dead in trespasses and sins, children of wrath. But God, through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, takes away the stain of the curse upon us. He overcomes the curse of unbelief so that we not only can believe, but that we want to believe. But God, in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, cries out, Carry, come forth! And because of the power of the resurrection, he renews me so that I can actually listen to his command and obey his command. So that I, in my newness of life, in my being regenerated, being resurrected spiritually, can actually hear the voice of Jesus Christ, can actually see the kingdom of God. He overcomes the curse of unbelief so that we may not only can believe, but we want to. And this is what we see in Martha and Mary. A small, but nonetheless unfathomable expression of true faith. Martha confesses, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is to come into the world. Mary, soon after Lazarus' resurrection, will pour perfume on Christ's feet. And he will say, this is in preparation for my burial. In this, she not only shows that she knows him to be the Savior, but also that she understands the character of his kingdom. But not all respond positively to the resurrection power of Christ. As Paul said, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. People of God, this is what I want you to understand. When you look upon Jesus Christ and you see him as precious and you see him as your Savior and you confess, I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me He died for me. I believe it. His cross was for me. His resurrection was for me. You should think this. This is nothing but 
the grace of God and resurrection power because you could not believe that in the state of sin and in the curse. You only believe that because God has been gracious to you and given you spiritual resurrection and bringing you a birth from above. What about this unbelievable unbelief? And when the chief priests and Pharisees were informed of this great and miraculous resurrection miracle, they called a meeting of the council. They're worried about Jesus' rising popularity causing political unrest and bringing the wrath of Rome down upon them. And we read of this Caiaphas, this high priest who says, it's better for one man to die from the, for the people than that the whole nation perish. And John tells us he didn't say this of his own cord. But he prophesied that, that God would use the evil-hearted words of a fake high priest to speak what it is that Christ has come to do, that Christ would die for the nation, but also for the scattered children of God who have been scattered abroad, and to bring them together and make them one is unbelievable. But we see in this, these Pharisees, these Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, these religious leaders, unbelievable unbelief. In the face of such a great display of resurrection power, these religious leaders, they want Christ to die. They're plotting his death. And the irony, of course, is that through this death, the resurrection power of Christ will be brought to the Jewish nation and to all of us. That through the unbelievable unbelief of the Pharisees and chief priests, unfathomable faith would come to people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. The, the resurrection is a dividing line, people. It's a line drawn in the sand. There's no neutrality. In the face of this power, you can do nothing but profess Christ as Lord and Savior or suppress the truth of His Lordship all the more. In fact, we read that these religious leaders will even seek to kill Lazarus to get rid of the evidence of Christ's resurrection power. And following the resurrection of Christ, we're even told that the soldiers who were at the tomb who had witnessed this resurrection informed these religious leaders, and the religious leaders didn't say, oh wow, now I believe in Jesus. You saw him raised, be raised from the grave. He must be the Messiah. He must be the Savior of the world. The Lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world. He has to be. Oh no, 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 that's not what they do. They slip the soldiers some money and they say, well, why don't you say that the disciples came in the middle of the night and stole the body? That is unbelievable unbelief in the face of resurrection power. That's what true death, what true spiritual decay looks like. It's unbelievable unbelief. And if that holds to the end, what they will see and experience is far greater than the four days in the grave that Lazarus stinketh from. They'll be eternally dead, judged in hell for their sin against a holy and righteous God. This shows us that there's not enough evidence in the world to convert someone, to convince someone to believe. 
they must experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. They must be born again. They must be changed. Be made new. We see in this passage various reactions to the resurrection. Verse 45, we're told some believed and put faith in him. But what kind of faith is this? Because we'll find out later at the triumphal entry that these very people who were there, who believed in Jesus because of the resurrection of Lazarus, believed in Christ as a political and military leader. They wanted Christ to be the one who would save them from Rome. So in that, how are we to respond to the resurrection? We can't just believe, we have to believe rightly. The resurrection of power of Christ is much bigger than simply changing our temporal circumstances, making our life better. It is eternal and lasting. We must respond to the resurrection to Christ, who is the resurrection, with true faith. But in verse 46, we hear that some went and told the religious leaders... Now, they're simply being tattletales. They're being informants, maybe even hoping that this would curry favor with these powerful religious leaders, the Pharisee, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin. But in this, there's a truth. And that is that when we are witnesses to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, we should go and tell too, maybe on a mountain. But not to get Christ caught by others but that we may see others get caught by Christ. To share the good news of the resurrection power, that he is risen indeed. To see others embrace salvation and express unfathomable faith in Christ. To see the spiritual and physical death of the curse be overcome by the resurrection power of our faithful Savior. And lastly, we read that the religious leaders plotted to kill him. They wanted this man dead because they were jealous of his popularity and because they hated him. They wanted him dead because he would not rule over them. And of course, we as believers should not plot to see Christ put to death, but rather understand that as believers we have participated in the death of Christ. We have been crucified with him. Paul says, and we no longer live, but he lives in us. We should see in the cross and the desire for these religious leaders to see the death of Jesus Christ, our own demise. So that through the resurrection, we may be empowered by the spirit to put to death the sinful flesh that clings to us. To grow by God's grace and holiness and godliness that we may ever serve him, grateful for what he has given us in Jesus Christ. So here it is. How are we going to respond to the resurrection? Not just today on Resurrection Sunday, but every day of our lives. How will we respond to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, our faithful Savior? Congregation, may it be always with the unfathomable faith of Martha and Mary. May it be with the faith of new life. And may it never be with the unbelievable unbelief of these religious leaders. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we could look at your word and see in it 
the resurrection power that you have given and brought to us in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. May we live always in light of the resurrection and may we know that just as, have, just as if we have been, just because in the same way that we have been born again from the dead, inwardly, that one day in the future will we be born again from above, outwardly. Just, as if, just in the same way that we have experienced spiritual resurrection, that when Christ comes again, we will experience physical resurrection. May we always put our faith in Christ, who is the resurrection, and know that through him we have life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.